Hello and welcome to Grace Life Ministries, a disciple-making family of churches focused on the reality of Christianity. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your revelation of Jesus and increase in fruitfulness in your life. We're looking at righteousness tonight. And, uh, you know, righteousness, the reason why we're looking at it, I'm going to define it in a moment, is just because so many people don't understand righteousness, and yet righteousness is the key to successful Christian living or fruitful Christian living. If you don't know, understand righteousness, if you don't know your rightness in Christ, then you're going to struggle. You're going to fail. It's not going to be good, okay? <laughs> because you're going to flounder around. Because like a proverb says, this isn't in your notes, but um, the righteous are as bold as a lion. I think it's Proverbs 18.1. The righteous are as bold as a lion. So if you want to have a, a, like that kind of boldness like a lion, then you've got to discover your righteousness, okay? So righteousness is being able to stand in the presence of God without any feeling of inferiority. Think about that for a moment, and I'm going to build on that. Standing in the presence of God without any feeling of inferiority. That's quite big, don't you think? Because religion teaches us the opposite. Religion teaches us that we should uh, always feel inferior to God. And obviously God is God and I'm not. God is bigger than me and I'm smaller than Him. But this is being able to stand like without quivering, without shaking, because I'm scared of him, but it's like, he's my dad. And now I can have this relationship with him. I can come to him with boldness and confidence. Your righteousness is the condition of being blameless and guiltless, guiltless before God. Righteousness is by grace and we receive it by faith. And that's what we're going to be looking at in a number of verses now this evening. So, Firstly, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. As we're going through this, think about what stands out for you and impacts you, and if something does, make a note of it. Because maybe the Holy Spirit's wanting to minister to you in that. But what this verse is showing us is that righteousness is found in and through the gospel. Righteousness is only found in and through the gospel. Okay? A good understanding of the gospel will unveil righteousness to you. And this is the sad part because a lot of Christians don't understand righteousness, which means they don't understand the gospel. I don't know if I should say this, but I will because I often say things I don't know if I should say. But, <laughs> but if they are saved, they're barely saved. <laughs> because salvation is understanding righteousness or being righteous. So then they just don't know who they are. And, you know, that's probably why they'll cry when they get to heaven. And Jesus will have to say, sorry, my child. You didn't know who you were. You could have lived such a better life. A Christian who does not know the righteousness by faith, apart from works, doesn't know the gospel. They may know that Jesus came to die so that I could live. They may have received salvation or eternal life, but they're really not going to live in the fullness of what Jesus has for them. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 to 10. But what does it say? The word is near you. 
in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and mouth confession is made unto salvation. So with the heart, we believe unto righteousness. So how do you become righteousness? It's a heart belief. It's not a let's go try hard and work hard at this. It's a heart belief. Okay, righteousness is what we receive at salvation. You don't become more righteous ever as a Christian. You don't become, you know, if righteousness is right standing with God, the Christian is always in right standing with God. Because the Christian, you'll see from these verses, is always righteous. The issue is, is that the Christian sometimes doesn't know that, and so sometimes will suffer. Okay? This is something freely given to us in Christ. It's a reality of our salvation. Okay, Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 32. What shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So look at this. Anything that's not freely given is not from Christ. Can you hear the, 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 the lights going off in lots of <laughs> teaching ministries? <laughs> You know, lots of uh, churches I grew up in, like, because if it, it's like something you've got to work for. You, you don't, like, I know what it's like to be where I am because I worked for it. I earned this, this position in Christ. Like, you know, that's why I have power. That's ridiculous. This shows us anything not freely given is not from Christ. There's nothing to earn. That's the grace life. In Christ, we have received all things freely. So as believers, we ought to know what's ours. We have to come to know what's ours. We have to come to know our right standing with God and what that means for us. Because a lot of the time, our challenges are because we don't know our right standing. Okay, Knowing our right standing or our righteousness gives us confidence in prayer. That's one of the, the, the benefits of it or one of the things, the results of it. Romans chapter 8, verse 33 to 34. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Is it God who justifies? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. And who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Look at this verse. This is powerful. God is not the one condemning. And how many of us have at one point in our life, at some time, have felt God condemning us? But it wasn't God. It was ignorance. <laughs> we, 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 we misplaced the blame. We were like, God, it's your fault. Why, do you, why, why is God making me feel bad about something? He doesn't condemn. This is, you know, God doesn't condemn. Okay? He justifies, which means makes right. Justifies, means makes right. He makes us right. Righteousness is the condition of being blameless, of being innocent, of being guiltless. So now, if you're a Christian, I'm telling you who you are. You are blameless. You are guiltless. You are innocent. How often do you feel like that? 
This is the thing. We need to start feeling like this, not just knowing this. It needs to become our reality. I am blameless. I am innocent. I am guiltless. Romans chapter 3 verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Paul here is quoting from uh, uh, Psalms. Okay, and he starts to explain this more even in Romans chapter 3. So he's quoting Psalm 14, and here in Romans chapter 3, verse 19 to 22, he gets into it. Okay, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. Look at verse 22 there. The righteousness of God is by faith in Christ Jesus unto all that believe. The righteousness is unto all who believe, not all who do right, try hard, live a good life. You know, that we should live a good life. We should live righteously. We'll look at that in a moment. But this is showing us that we are righteous because we've believed something or someone. Romans chapter 3, 23 to 26. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Think about it in accounting terms. For all have fallen short of the glory of God, which means you've lacked something. Salvation is the refilling of what was lacked. Okay, we lacked the glory of God. We lacked the Spirit of God. Now, in Christianity, we are filled with the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God. That's the glory in this earthen vessel, is the Spirit of Almighty God. So all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They sinned in not believing, and as a result, they didn't have. Now we believe and we have. Okay? being justified freely, being made right freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation, a payment for by His blood <clears throat> through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So this is saying we are justified freely. We are justified, made right, freely. By his grace, we believe it by faith. Okay? So you cannot earn it. You cannot deserve it. You cannot work for it. It's a gift. Okay? In the Old Testament, we see Abraham <clears throat> as a righteous man. So there was righteousness before the Gospels, okay? And here we see that this righteousness was also by faith, not by Abraham's conduct. Go and Google Abraham's conduct. Evidently, he was righteous by faith, okay? Not by his conduct or his works. He was counted righteous because he believed, okay? Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified, made right, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the word there, therefore, 
implies that, 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 that based on the fact that righteousness comes by the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we are justified. That's what the context is talking about. So righteousness comes because of the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. Abraham was looking forward to that because he had the gospel preached to him. And now we are looking back to what's taken place. Okay, But righteousness is always by faith. Romans 5, 17 to 19. For if by one man's offense death reigns through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Can you see that righteousness is a gift? It's not something you can earn. It's not something that you deserve. It's a gift, a free gift. <clears throat> and when we receive this gift, we will reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. Many people, Christians, are trying to reign in life. Reign in life through their sowing and their reaping. Reign in life through their fasting and their praying. Reign in life in many different ways, but the Bible shows us how to reign in life, and it's receive the gift, receive the grace, receive the righteousness. Not earn it, not try and deserve it, but receive. It's a gift. And you can read the rest of the, the verse there. But this is showing us that righteousness is a gift. And the believer is made righteous by Jesus' obedience, not our obedience. Okay, Our part in this whole thing is obedience in terms of believe. And when we believe, that's obedience. And now Jesus' reward is placed to my account. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 to 21. Now, then we are ambassadors for Christ... As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God made Jesus, okay, who knew no sin, so we could be made the righteousness of God in him. So this is saying you were made righteous. You were made righteous. You didn't grow into righteousness you were made righteous from when you the moment you believed you were made righteous the chair didn't make itself you didn't make yourself righteous okay you didn't have a part to play with uh, play in it except that you believed believe was the only part righteousness is received by faith okay so four facts so far about righteousness number one we are declared righteous by faith. Okay? We are declared righteous by faith. God himself declares you righteous the moment you believe the gospel. The second one. Righteousness came to mankind as a free gift. Righteousness came to, to, to mankind as a free gift, and you cannot work for it. You cannot earn it. You cannot deserve it. Number three. Jesus is the believer's righteousness before God. So now we are the righteousness of God. We're not the righteousness of Shane, the righteousness of every, your name. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? And then because the believer is a new creation, because the believer is a new creation, we've been made righteous. It's a new creation, born again. We haven't just been declared righteous. We have been born righteous. Okay? You couldn't help what color you were born. You couldn't help what gender you were born. 
You couldn't help the DNA and everything else that you have. You were just born that way. Christian, you cannot help the fact that you were born righteous. You're stuck with righteous. Whether you, you, you try and not live righteous, or you, 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 or you can do your best to, to, to not live righteously, and God still looks at you and goes, you're my righteous son. You're my righteous daughter. Why? Is it because God's ignoring your sin? No. He paid for your sin. You believed in that payment, and now he will never condemn you to hell no matter what. Should you feel bad for your sin? 100%. <laughs> because it's a part of repentance. You should feel like, wow, this is really not good in my life. I want to change. <laughs> There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That you're not condemned to hell. But I hope that you feel remorse when you hurt someone. Or when you do something that doesn't, like, like it's unpleasant for other people, or, or it hurts God's heart, or whatever. It's kind of like, he's not going to condemn you for it. He'll, he still accepts you as 100% righteous. But we're not talking about feelings now. We're talking about condemnation and declared innocent. Okay? I've dealt with that before. Okay, so... You are 100% righteous 100% of the time. Think about it. And that righteousness is equal to Jesus's. So it's like if you had the righteous scale, you've seen me do this before, I'm sure. You've got Jesus on this side and you've got you on this side. It's perfectly balanced. If we, if we were to measure works, obviously you would fail. <laughs> if we were to measure your efforts, you would fail big time. If it was based on merit, you'd go to hell, directly to hell, wouldn't pass go, you know, nothing. But, praise God, we are 100% righteous by faith. Okay? So, we are 100% right with Him, 100% of the time. Righteous never, righteousness never decreases, righteousness never increases. But your knowledge or your awareness or your consciousness of this right standing with God does fluctuate. You believing this or not fluctuates. And when you don't believe this, you're not doing so good. When you don't believe that you're 100% right, what happens? Your prayers are pitiful. <laughs> your prayers aren't powerful. When you, when you do believe that you're righteous, what happens? Your prayers are powerful. You get results. When, when your prayers are, 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 when you're feeling like, wow, I just don't deserve anything. You're a pitiful saint, but you're still a saint. You're not a sinner. You got saved. Now you're a saint. But you're pitiful. Because you're living like a pauper when you're a king. And now all of a sudden, when you realize who you are, now that you're 100% right in him, what happens? Boldness rises up, and you can live like a king and reign in life. Okay? But the point is, is we need to be aware of this. We need to become conscious of this. This is why large parts of the body of Christ are weak and, and powerless and pathetic. And why the church, why the world looks and goes, I don't want religion. Because it's just a Sunday thing. It's not just a Sunday thing. The two hours or whatever we spend together here, you know, if you just judge us based on those two hours, like it's, it's not such a great idea. You should see Monday through, <laughs> through Saturday and see how everybody's living and the, the, the things that are happening in people's lives and through their lives. So, for, a, for, for fruitful Christian living, we must know the fact that we are righteous. The fact that we are righteous. We need to have a righteousness consciousness. Most of us have a sin consciousness. 
We're aware of what we've done wrong. We're aware of, aware of how bad things are, of how bad we've been. But we're not aware of how good He is and what He says about us. We're more in touch with what we feel about ourselves and what other people say about ourselves instead of what God says about us. And God says you're 100% righteous, even at your lowest point. Okay? This should reflect in how we sing and how we worship God and how we, should, and how we pray. What, what am I talking about? Our belief is, should be reflected in how we sing and how we worship and how we pray. So if we believe this, then it should change from, God, I'm so cracked and dry and weary and barren in this wilderness. Please come and refresh me. It should change to something a bit more positive in singing. Amen? <laughs> We're not singing the, the, the Proverbs of anguish. <laughs> the pro, pro, sorry, the Psalms of anguish. We're singing what? Something a bit more expectant and hopeful and, and faithful. Why? Because we're living this side of the cross even. Okay? So, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> we shouldn't be singing about our emotions in worship. If you want to do it, you can do it. But we should be singing the Word. Okay? We, 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 the reality of who we are and what we have and all that we can do in Christ is what we should be focused on. Not God, where are you? You are God in heaven. This is a verse, but it's from Job. And I am down on earth and the world like you. There's so much distance between us. It's crazy. The believer must learn to sing God's word. Period. Because that's what helps you stay in faith. That's what helps you focus in on, on your, your, your true identity. How often I'm listening to a song, like I've got a shuffle on, 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 on some whatever, YouTube and I'm, I'm listening to these, all these songs. I'm like, wow, this sounds like such a great song. I'm like, we should do this. And usually it's on a Sunday on my way to church. <laughs> and I'm listening to the song. I'm like, we should do this like tonight. I've never heard this song before, actual story. And, and then I go and look up the lyrics and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to spend some time with this song to change the lyrics because it's horrible. And then if the song was good, then we sing it. <laughs> it's the first time we heard it, but we sing it, you know. But the point is, is like, um, you know, we, we need to start to believe what we believe so much that when a wrong song pops up in, in our playlist, we're like, huh, that doesn't sound very right. And it act, you, can, you, you, you know there's a difference. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Awake to righteousness. Everyone say, Awake just in case someone's sleeping. Awake. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Isn't that a lovely verse in the New Testament? I like it. It says, awake. The King James, you know, awaken. Think about what it means to wake. Wake up. It's not strive to reach. Simply wake up. Wake up to righteousness. Awaken to righteousness. Meaning, don't try and become righteous. Just realize who you are. Wake up. Wake up to righteousness. Wake up to who you are. Don't become righteous. It's not a standard you're trying to reach up to. Wake up to who you are. Okay? 
Wake up to righteousness and sin not. When we wake up to the reality of who we are in Christ, we won't be sinning so much. It will result in not sinning, in living a better life. The problem with so many Christians is that they don't know who they are, and so they can't live there. The problem, like there, there's a lot of lost people in this, in, in this area who, who need to hear this message tonight about righteousness by faith, and their problem is they don't know to come here. That, that, that's their problem. You know, because we haven't invited them, we haven't told them about it, or whatever the case is, but if they knew, see, knowledge unlocks things. Knowledge is power, <laughs> okay? My people perish for lack of knowledge. Knowledge is what we need. So if we know that we're righteous, we can go there. We can live at that level. So, so we need to come to know and be aware of these things, okay? The reason we sin is not because we're not righteous. We sin because we're not awakened to our righteousness. So now this can help you understand the believer in your life who's uh, not living like a believer. Their problem is not that they're a sinner. Their problem is that they're ignorant. Okay? Obviously, present company excluded. But the people out there who are Christians, calling themselves Christians, are not living like it. The problem that they have is that they don't know that they're righteous. When we, you know, make mistakes and fail, heaven behold, when we make mistakes and fail, you know what happens? It's not because all of a sudden the, 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 the black dog inside of you was starting to take over. The, you know, you've got a white dog and a black dog. I don't know if you've heard that analogy. You've got the white dog and the, which dog is going to win? The one that's alive, the black dog's dead. <laughs> the black dog, the sinful nature's dead. It's been cut off. So there's no sinful nature in the Christian anymore. Now you need to stop thinking, oh, there's this battle inside of me. Yin-yang. <laughs> I've got a little bit of bad, a little bit of good, or whatever the case is. No, no, no. You're righteous. If it's in Jesus, it's in you. If you can't see it in Jesus, you, can't, you shouldn't see it in you. Think about that. How should your life look? Look at Jesus, and if you can see it in Jesus, we should see it in you. If you look at Jesus and you can't find it, we shouldn't find it in you. It's easy. That's an easy one. You know, I, I often get questions like, is this a sin from new Christians? Is this a sin or is this not a sin? Is this okay? Is that not okay? Whatever. It's like, well, let's, let's ask this question rather. Is it in Jesus? <laughs> Would Jesus do this? Wouldn't he do this? Did he do this? That's much easier. It sets the bar high, doesn't it? But we're empowered to live that life. We just need to wake up to it. He says there in that verse, for some have not the knowledge of God. This is why they're sinning. They don't have the knowledge of God. They don't have the knowledge of righteousness. Righteousness, consciousness is by knowledge. The knowledge of what Christ has done for us and what Christ has made available to us. This is why you need to stay in a church which teaches the Word and doesn't just encourage you for the week. It's nice just to be patted on the back and get a poem and a and ice cream sometimes, or whatever they do. You know, but, but we need something solid which will actually produce life. That's why I don't back down on, on, on the amount of verses we use either. <laughs> because it's, it's necessary. Like, um, I don't know, 
Martin and I were talking about uh, uh, something and we were like, you know, with regards to the, the issue of healing and health, like it's something that you have to focus on frequently. And, you know, I've even been challenged and encouraged on it, like listen to more teaching or dig into the word more in healing, like even daily. And it's like, I don't have that capacity. There's so many other things I've got to focus on, even just in my Bible study. So she was like, well, maybe we should, you know, do a, a, a once a week just a teaching on audio and we just make it 10 minutes. I was like, love, that will never work to teach for 10 minutes on healing. It's like, what do you, I can pray for 10 minutes, <laughs> but it's like, 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 we need understanding in order to get fruitful because we've got so much junk in our minds. And without understanding, we'll never, ever be fruitful. And understanding sometimes takes time. For me to understand righteousness when I did back in 2003, I think it was, for the first time, 2004, it took some time to adjust to it. I was like, huh, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> you know, I thought I was a sinner. I, I have things wrong in my life. You know, it, it wasn't just a, a, a switch, there you go. But we need to awaken to this, re, this reality. Amen? So, righteousness is by a consciousness starts with knowledge. Faith in the gospel makes us righteous. Now we have a right standing with God without fear, sin, guilt, condemnation. And we stand confident in prayer and in worship of God. Amen? I'm going to throw that for you. <laughs> I know you weren't ready for it, but there you go. You cannot walk in what you're not conscious of. You cannot walk in what you're not conscious of. The explanation of coming here. Okay? I remember uh, 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 I was living in Stellenbosch, I was a student minister, and I had no clue that there was a sale on in town until someone told me. Levi jeans, like 200 rand or something. I didn't know about that sale until someone told me the good news. <laughs> See, <laughs> you cannot walk in not, what you're not conscious of. I would have still had my holy jeans that I had at that time. You know, not the holes under there, but the holes you know, around like that <laughs> from stretching too much. Anyway, Ephesians 4, 24, let's get back to the word. And that you put on the new man, which after God, get that image out of your mind, after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Here's a good thought from, or a, a, an interesting thought, not a good thought, but an interesting thought. That you put on the new man. Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus. Okay? And you know what he's saying by saying this? He's saying that a believer can live ungodly. I know that you, you weren't aware of this. <laughs> but a, a believer, a Christian, someone who's full of Jesus can live ungodly. I'm so glad no one's going into cardiac arrest or anything because this is shocking to think that a Christian can do vile things. I mean, that's why he's saying, put on the new man. He's not saying, become a new man. He's saying, put on the new man. Why would he say, put on and not become? Because if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. So now you are a new creation, so put on the new creation. Okay? Paul's encouraging us to put on the new man, not become a new man. How do we put on the new man? I did an interesting little word study here quick. The word put in the Greek means to reform or renew. And even in the Greek dictionary in brackets it says the mind. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? 
So how do we put on the new man? It's renewing our minds. Your problem is between your ears. Okay, so now you change your thinking and now you start to live righteously. Righteous living should be effortless for us, but it's often not. You know, some people just choose not to be righteous, even if they know a little bit, but I believe they haven't had a true revelation and haven't captured it yet. If we have a revelation of Jesus and who we are in Christ, what happens? Righteous living. Okay? We need to be renewed in our minds to the truth of our identity. Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's putting on the new man. Okay, Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay? We are his workmanship, created, past tense. Past tense. But we need, yeah, so, so he's worked on you. He's not working on you. God's not working on you anymore. Good news. You know, I, 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 I accidentally like, uh, insulted Etienne and, and hurt his feelings, and, and now I needed to go and say sorry. So I went to him, I'm like, Etienne, I'm so sorry I hurt your feelings, and I did that piece of stupid there. But you know what? God's still working on me. I've just taken the blame and shifted it <laughs> and said, God hasn't finished working on me yet. It's his fault that I'm a moron. Can you see that? God's finished working on you. You need to renew your mind <laughs> and wake up to righteousness and realize who you are so that you're not living like a moron. Amen? So, the fruit of righteousness. A righteous man is one who has an unrestrained and unrestricted access to God. I'm going to say that again. Think about this. The righteous man or woman is one who has unrestrained and unrestricted access to God. What I'm basically saying is the Christian always has access to God. Okay? Because they're righteous. 1 Peter Chapter 3, verse 12, in the New King James Version there, it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. Have you ever as a Christian felt like God wasn't listening? In, be honest, anybody ever feel as a Christian that God wasn't listening? Okay, there's a few honest people, thank you. Listen, listen here, that was a lie. It was a lie. Why was it a lie? Because of your ignorance. You believed a lie. Satan can't lie to you and you believe it if you're not ignorant. But Satan can come and tell you anything he wants and if you're ignorant, you'll believe it. Okay, let's take Satan out of the equation. Your friend, <laughs> who's not a good friend, can come and tell you anything. I love, I, love, uh, I love playing with people like that, okay? <laughs> you know, I, I've done many different things. I can't, the only one I can think of is like, you know, when, you, when you're telling someone and they're gullible and they just take it in and they're like, wow, that's amazing. No, it's not true. Please don't repeat that to anyone. I'm just making a joke. You know, I do that all the time. Why? Because ignorance, like my, one of my favorites, did you know that Queen Elizabeth's hand, while she's waving to people, it would get quite tired. As she drives, so she's actually got a button in her car which lifts up a fake arm and it just does that. And so many people go, Really? And I'm going, No, <laughs> I just made that up. 
you know. Ignorance holds us in bondage. Ignorance is, is curable. That's the good news. Okay, you can cure ignorance. That's good news for someone. <laughs> but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Look at, the, look at that first part. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. God's listening. Because you're righteous. He doesn't see your faults. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your problem. James said the same thing. James 5.16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So in the place of prayer, the believer can make power available. So what this is saying is that because we're righteous, our prayers can be powerful. And can I give you some more good news? You don't see the word fasting in there. You can be powerful and have powerful prayers without fasting. Isn't that amazing? You don't see sowing and reaping in there. Your prayers can be powerful without sowing and reaping. There's a lot of things that you don't see in there that, that you hear from the pulpit. But the good news is, is that because you're righteous by faith, you can have a powerful prayer life. The reason why our, li our prayer lives aren't powerful is because of ignorance. Based on right standing with God, we can drive out demons, lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We can, we can, we can destroy all the works of the enemy. Mark chapter 16, 17 to 18. These signs will follow them who believe. What, who are the believers? The righteous ones. These signs will follow them who believe. The believers are the righteous ones. In my name, they will cast out demons. Because the righteous ones have the right to use the name of Jesus, the authority of Jesus. They will speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents and drink any deadly thing, and it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. When we believe we are righteous, we step into a God-given authority which has supernatural results. So, I want to ask the question, can I lose my righteousness? I'm glad you say no, but let's look for sure. Because <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> you know, a lot of the time, it's like a, a, we don't know why we believe what we believe. But I want to bring up a couple things quickly. Okay? Before we do, I want you to say after me, I always have an audience with God. Sound very convinced. It's good. God is always hearing my prayer. That's good. Righteousness is God's gift given to us in Christ. Uh, thank you. You can stop repeating me now. <laughs> That's good. Well done. Parrots. It's good. I like them. It's never our works. Titus 3 verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So this is showing that righteousness is a gift of grace. Romans 5, 17. For by one man's offense, death reigned by, uh, through one. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So it's a gift. Paul made it clear that God's gifts are never taken away. Righteousness is a gift. Now look at this verse, Romans eleven twenty nine, New King James. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Look at the next uh, translation, New Living. The gifts and call 
for God's gifts and His call can never be withdrawn. His gift of righteousness will never be taken away from you. It's a gift. It belongs to you. It's who you are. Thus, righteousness can never go away or fade for a Christian. The price of our righteousness was His blood. Okay? Was His blood. Hence, whatever we have from Him is everlasting. Look at this. 1 Peter 1, 18-19. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which, loses, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So the author of, of Hebrews as well calls the blood of Jesus an everlasting covenant. Okay, look at it. Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. So whatever the blood gives is everlasting. Whatever his blood gives is everlasting. It does not fade. Hebrews 9, 12 and then 15. With his own blood, not the blood of bulls and goats, of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Redemption is forever. Salvation is forever or eternal. It's not temporary. It's not based on you. You just believe and you get it. And then it's based on His faithfulness. Verse 15. That is why when He, why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins that committed under the, the first covenant. Righteousness is based on the blood of Christ. Okay? And so, because of that, it's everlasting. Your righteousness is everlasting. Psalm 119, verse 142, the righteousness, thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. That's speaking about God, right? Whose righteousness do you have? God's righteousness. So this is speaking about you now. Your righteousness is everlasting. Does not end. Psalm, or not Psalm, sorry. Uh, Isaiah 54 verse 14. In righteousness thou shalt be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression. For thou shalt not fear. And from terror. For it shall come shall not come near thee. Verse 17, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. We are established in righteousness. Now we need to establish our minds in righteousness. Okay? The reason why terror and oppression can be are far from us, the reason why they are far from us is not because we do good, not because we're without faults, but because of His righteousness. Terror, oppression of sin. Terror, oppression of the evil one are far from you. Far from you. So anytime you feel like the enemy is playing games with you, you can go to this verse and say, because I'm righteous, terror and oppression are far from me. This is not your territory to play games with me. 
do, we, we, we must never base God's goodness on our goodness. Healing is God's goodness. We should never base God's goodness on our goodness. Oh God, I don't deserve it. I don't know if I deserve it. Would, would God do this? Would God do that? We never base God's goodness on our goodness. God's goodness is solely based on His goodness. Okay? So what does he mean by weapon here in this verse? Let's look at that for a moment. He said, you shall not fear because fear is a tool. It's a tool of the enemy. It's a weapon of the enemy. The root of, of fear is unworthiness. So you feel unworthy. You've got a consciousness of unworthiness. I don't deserve this. Fear will come upon you. And if you've ever had fear come upon you, then you, 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 you get, it goes out of control, really. <laughs> the wheels fall off the bus then. <clears throat> when a man begins to approach God based on his merits and works, fear will always be present. Fear will always come up. You know, God, I've been a good boy today. I've been, I went to church, I tithed, I, I, I haven't lied today, I've done this, I've done that, uh, I haven't done that. Um, please, would you pretty please X, Y, and Z? You know, there's already fear in that prayer because you don't know what's coming or what's not coming. You're unsure. That's unstable. Okay, that's not how a Christian should live. You know, we have a defense against the weapons of the enemy. And so what, whenever things are happening in our lives, you know what, we should, we should never ever fear, no matter what, and we should never doubt the goodness of God. We should always fall back onto the, 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 the thought that uh, God is not angry with me. God is not, like, things go wrong, why did God do, do this to me? I, I purposely, from a young age with our kids, made sure that they're aware of this. The way I do it is through hum humor. Dad, I've just cut my knee, it's bleeding. Oh, oh my boy, I'm so sorry. Is there sin in your life? <laughs> what did you do to deserve this dad don't say that someone will hear you they'll believe it i'm like well i'm making sure you don't believe it <laughs> you know, the point is is we should never default to really thinking why why why, why is this happening why, what is god doing to me because it's not the case it's not the case we must never trace the source of evil in our lives to god Never, because God never organizes evil for us. God does not evil. He has nothing to do with evil. We've read the verses from Romans chapter 8. He's never against us. He's always for us. Okay? Our defense against, the, against fear is His everlasting kindness. His everlasting love and goodness. Our faith is not based on our faithfulness. It's based on His faithfulness. So now, in prayer, I'm not going, wow, I need to fast and I need to make sure I've done this and done that and whatever so that I can be bold in prayer. Uh -uh. I'm looking, Jesus, you were faithful to complete salvation for me and because you're faithful, I've believed in the truth of the, the, the word, I've believed in the gospel and now you see me as right 100% of the time. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, we must always refuse to fear because fear is a weapon of terror. You know, the way fear comes is by tongues rising against us. The way that fear comes is by 
news reports that are coming or doctor's reports or whatever. Fear comes through other pe what people say. I'm sure you've experienced that. You're somewhere, you're quite happy with life and with yourself and everything, and someone says something. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh. Like, what now? What's going to happen? The way we condemn these and deal with this is through speaking back. You need to sometimes speak back and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My righteousness isn't based on my, what I've done. It's based on what He's done for me. You know, we, we need, you know, there's no wisdom in keeping silent. Think about that for a moment. With regards to fear and, and the enemy trying to condemn you, there's never wisdom in keeping silent. We have to rise up and we have to rebuke that. And we have to speak against it and say the truth. Why? Because if you're not talking, then you're listening. And whilst that tongue is talking, you should be talking to drown it out and then choose to believe what you're saying because what you're saying should be what the, what the Word says. Matthew 6.31 Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or how are we going to be clothed? Fearful thoughts come to us because of what the, the world is built upon. We take fear when we speak fear. When we speak those out. You know, we cannot stop fearful thoughts from coming, but we can stop ourselves from speaking them out. And we need to stop ourselves from speaking out. Rather speak the word, and then the fear that comes into your mind will just start to diminish. It will die out. It will not produce anything. Speak the word, not the fear. Amen? So, all believers, in conclusion, all believers are righteous forever. You are right, righteous, 100% right with God, 100% of the time, forever. It's not based on your efforts to be holy or to do good things. It's based on what Jesus has done for you, and you've put your faith in Him. Now, when you come to correct knowledge about righteousness, about your identity in Christ, when you start to discover this, and when you're convinced of being righteous, because it's not enough to know it, you've got to be convinced of it and believe it. What's going to happen? You're going to be bold in prayer. You're going to be bold in prayer. Your faith will become effective. You'll start to see results in prayer. Okay, You'll also be bold in warfare, because now you know who you are. Okay, You're also going to be bold in faith to see the supernatural. Because you realize that the miraculous isn't based on your efforts. It's based on God's goodness. And now you're just believing Him. Okay? Here's the bottom line. Powerful faith is the result of knowing that you're 100% righteous. Powerful faith, world-overcoming faith, is based on your knowledge of how right you are with God. And if you know how righteous you are, faith will always rise up to receive and to overcome and to see results, not just in your life, but in the lives of other people. You know, the, the, the person who's sick that, that's working with you or whatever, they might be feeling like, oh, I'm condemned. You know, let, let me tell this story. We were on our way back from our first mission trip, and all the details of the story aren't necessary, but the, the, the highlights package of this story is 
we were in Joburg International, coming back from our first mission trip to Harare. And in Joburg International, we had a relative come whose arm was uh, uh, in a lot of pain and, you know, very, like, whatever. And we were busy talking, myself and some of the team, you were there, uh, about, um, um, what about, about the healings and the things we had seen on the mission field. And then uh, what happened was, um, you know, th th this person said, ah, oh, please pray for my arm, it's really sore. So we all gathered around in Joburg International, this, this uh, relative of ours, and we, we, we started praying, and what happened? They started screaming because the pain got worse. <laughs> and the police started to come. And people were starting to walk towards us to see what was going on. And I had a word of knowledge, and the word of knowledge was, you're not condemned. I just feel like God's just saying, you're not condemned. He's not holding anything against you. You're free. And then we prayed again, and everything left. Because so often people aren't receiving what, they, what they're believing for because they feel condemned. It's not all the reasons, but it's just one of the reasons. We feel like we deserve. And when we feel like we're unworthy and we deserve the, the bad fruit, what happens? We feel unworthy. But we're always worthy. Because we're always in Christ. You can't get out of Christ. You're always in Christ. Amen? So, Father, I want to thank you that we are always in you. We are found in you. And because of that, we can live a victorious, bold life. I just pray for each one of us, Father, that we would just come to a deeper revelation of your righteousness that we have. And that this week especially, Father, we're going to see fruitfulness in our prayer life, fruitfulness in our righteous living, because we realize how righteous we are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go, three people just want to come up and share something that uh, stood out for you from the message or blessed you or something. Come, Lucas. Um, yeah, I really like the part about being God's workmanship and that it's really like, um, I mean, just uh, never cop out to say like God's working or like just to say that to people, even just to um, say it's not a you don't have a cop out to say you're still God's working on me. Um, so that's really, really awesome. Awesome. That's good. Next one. Come. Thank you, Amber. Um, so this, I feel like this ties in well with last week's message. If you guys didn't hear it, please go listen to it. Um, just, we are always worthy because of, um, we're always in Christ. And powerful faith is based on your knowledge of how right you are in Christ. And with last week, you said um, your circumstances might not always give you reason to rejoice, but God always does. Um, and this message really gives us so much reason to rejo rejoice in him. Um, and I've had such a tough week regarding the things people are saying to me, and it's so counter my nature. But praise Jesus, I went into that meeting with this confidence of who I am in Christ, and I'm so grateful for that. And continuing, continually realizing it and just growing in it is, yo, praise God for it. That's awesome. Let's pray for you quickly. Father, I just thank you that uh, Amber is uh, turning a new corner. I just see a new, a new corner. If you're looking, like the Holy Spirit's going to guide you around a new corner. And I just see just such a brightness around that corner. And I thank you, Father, that she can walk into unknown territory with such a boldness and a confidence because she knows you're with her. She knows you're for her, you're not against her. And she knows that she can trust you, Father. 
Things might go wrong, things might happen, but I thank you, Father, that she can rest assured that if she's just walking with you, which you're always with her, then uh, she's fine. And we just speak peace to her heart, and we just thank you for the favor that is on her life, the favor that's going to open up doors, the favor that goes before her in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. <laughs> One more person. <laughs> One of you, come. <laughs> you, you were more eager. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, what stood out for me the most was when you said, um, you shall not fear. Uh, fear is the tool of the enemy, and fear is a weapon of terror. Um, it really is true, because I feel like in this world, um, not a lot of people talk about fear. Um, and it is true. It's the number one thing that can really affect you as a person because, you know, deep inside, everyone's got potential. So fear can really, really, really hold you back. And, you know, the moment it's, it's too late, then it's, it's harder to turn it around. But I feel like also, um, even in this world that we live in, um, um, sometimes I used to have that fear because um, I was also surrounded with a lot of friends that weren't believers themselves. So it was hard to, to follow, you know, Jesus more. But until I let go of the people that, um, that weren't believers, you know, I was more open. I was more open to speak my mind about God. So, um, yeah, but what really stood out the most for me was, was, was when you said that fear is a weapon of terror. Thank you. That's awesome. And you know what? You've got, uh, if you think about, if a fear is a weapon of terror, think about Ephesians chapter 6. You've got the, the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. So you, you, you're gifted out, fully gifted out for victory. Amen. If you'd like to get hold of us or to obtain more free teachings, you can visit us online at www.gracelife.co